What's up, Internet? You are listening to the Making Geeks podcast, a podcast for makers, dads, and geeks. This is episode 196. And I also want to say this is the original place for the Making Geeks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Since it seems like other people kind of like our idea and trying to do some similar things. But we are the original ones. And this is episode 186 coming up on 200 really quickly here. So I hope that everybody listening is uh, looking forward to 200. We have a couple... Cool things planned for that show, and we'll be announcing some more information um, about that shortly. How are you guys doing this week? I'm good. You good? I'm I'm good. <laughs> that sounded convincing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wes, how about you? You good? Doing good. Good. The weather's kind of gotten a turn for the the colder side now, and I think I think I'm settling into fall being my favorite season, which didn't used to be the case. Um, because it seemed like the most boring one as a kid. Like, the, like, I mean, you know, winter, you have winter activities and stuff. So it's kind of like the Olympics. Like, you have the Olympic-y kind of stuff. Like, you have active, fun things to do outside during the summer. You know, swimming and all that sort of stuff. Recreationally um, oriented activities. But the fall, I don't know, I just get to wear, like, sweatshirts. And, like, that makes me cozy and happy now. I guess I'm old now. I don't know. <laughs> You know, it must be something about age because I'm starting to feel the same way. <laughs> and not only that, but being in California, things seem so weird here sometimes. I'm like, you know, it's going to start getting cooler in fall. I hope that helps people kind of calm down a little bit. I think the heat gets every kind of like up in arms and, you know, yeah. out, you know, lighting fires and protesting. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. I just hope they calm down with fall. I mean, I was going to say that, you know, lighting a little campfire in the backyard, but that might be too, little too close to home, literally. <laughs> so I'll probably admit that as something that I like to do around this time of year. It's a little uh, too soon, too soon. But um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I like, I like going camping this time of year. I like going outside more because in North Carolina it can get kind of pretty brutal with the, the humidity plus the heat. Um, I don't know. I like fall just because it's a bereavement from mm. just the insane summers here. So when it starts to get cool, I mean, it's still in the 70s until January. So cool is kind of relative in Oklahoma, yeah. but it's not in the hundreds, which is which is kind of relieving. It, it snows where you are, though, doesn't it, uh, Donovan? Uh, like once every five years. Oh, wow. What's the average temperature for like the winter? Like how how cold does it usually get? Seventies. Really? really? Yeah. Winter here only lasts about two weeks. Um, it may <laughs> drop down to the thirties for a day or two, but it'll be in the seventies or eighties on Christmas Day, which annoys the heck out of me. Because being from Montana, I'm always used to the whitest white of Christmases with snow and snow forts and snowball fights and just, uh, you know, lights reflecting off the snow and everything glistening and going outside and going and like all your nostrils freeze and just awesome awesomeness in terms of Christmas that iconically are very Christmassy kind of things. And here in Oklahoma, uh, it's like in the 70s and 80s and brown just everywhere. And it drives me nuts. 
because I have a basis of comparison that's probably too perfect a basis of comparison, but it's Christmas time is very hard for me in Oklahoma because I miss I miss Montana so much. You know, up until last year, I thought snow was a myth. <laughs> you know, I I live maybe um, 10, 15 miles away from the mountains, like a, a really, you know, pretty big mountain range. And it was only last year that I went up there after it had snowed for the first time. And that's wow. my, actually the first time in my life I've been in the snow. Yeah, that was, that wow. was something interesting. You know, I, I thought it was like special effects and movies and stuff. I'm like, yeah, well, that doesn't really exist. <laughs> You know, it doesn't help that where I live is essentially the <laughs> desert, but you know, we're we get colder than than you do. So I was trying to think like on the on the map when you think of what is it uh, latitude, you know where where you where you are uh, latitudinally. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. And I thought we were probably you're probably north of me. I thought, but maybe not. But then I don't look at maps very often either. Either where I am right now, it gets to maybe like the 30s and 40s during winter at times. So I'm looking forward to the cooler weather too. So I don't have to sweat in my office every time we record anything you guys are working on this week. Everything and <laughs> <laughs> all at once. Um, hey, tell us I'm, more. Oh my gosh. I'm editing the playhouse video, which I'm about two thirds of the way through. Um, I've gotten all of the clips and everything edited down to their best parts. Um, and I'm starting to compile and do the sound and color correction for all of the all of the clips individually and putting them sequentially and compact and whatnot. So I'm about two thirds of the way through editing. And uh, at the same time I'm working on that, I'm also working on finishing up the Star Wars desk. I've taken most of the epoxy off of the top of that desk, which has been uh, fun. Not a process I want to repeat ever again uh but uh, learning <laughs> learning process learning process it is possible to remove a thick layer of epoxy off the top of the table it takes so much uh elbow grease so to speak and a lot of acetone lots oh, really? of acetone yeah because hmm. what I, I don't know if this is like the best way to do it uh i'm sure the best way to do it is have like a big drum sander and send it through a drum sander a whole bunch of times to do it that way because you've got that i don't know six grit a, sandpaper a, a planer might actually be better or a planer of course this thing is ginormous so it'd have to be a oh. huge planer yeah, yeah never not mind. ginormous but i mean it's 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 like 32 inches deep and four yeah. feet long a router sled or something yeah so yeah even a router sled so there's probably better ways to do this um, I don't have or have access to, to any of those things. And so I've been uh, dumping acetone on it. The acetone helps to break up the epoxy. And I'm taking a card scraper and just Does it scraping. Make it like what's the, what's the texture of it? Yeah, it uh, it turns it into like a... Mm, mush? Mush, yeah. Okay. Not gummy per se, uh, but like a mush. Oatmeal? But since the acetone dries up really fast... Grits. Um, you have to you have to scrape it while it's still um, wet, but has sat long enough to where it's starting to soak into the epoxy, so that it it so that it'll actually come up. Otherwise, it just dries really fast and it turns it into this uh, thin layer of epoxy oh. flaky oh. dust. Mm. Um, so it's it's been a process to do that, and then sanding with like sixty grit sandpaper. 
a lot of 60 grit sandpaper. So this thing is going to be so smooth by the time I'm, <laughs> by the time I'm done with it. Um, but putting the putting like uh, finish on it rather than the epoxy, I think is going to make it look a hundred times better. So I'm working on that, editing the video. Uh, I'm also tattooing another pair of shoes. So I'm doing that and I'm finishing up with the Monkey Island NES cartridge. Uh, and that that one's actually almost done. Uh, all I need to do is do a little few touch-ups with the paint and glue it all together and that'll be done. So I'll <laughs> I'll be down to a reasonable three projects at one time instead of four. <sighs> you know, I don't remember if I asked you before, but to your knowledge, are you the first one to tattoo a pair of shoes? No, there is a company in New York um sweeney it's not sweeney todd actually it might be sweeney todd sweeney something um that they do bespoke shoes so like the old vintage 1930s art deco flower that kind okay. of stuff they tattoo it on shoes and that's years ago they put out one video like years ago and that's where i originally got the idea to do that but just the marauders map that was always my first inspiration to ever do it was to to do the marauders map on on a pair of shoes so i'm not the first to do it but i am one of the only ones because it's, it's, not... it's an interesting idea that's why i asked and yeah. I, I could see that catching on uh i don't know all the applications what they would be but just the the custom nature of tattooing an image on a shoe instead of you know painting with acrylic paint or spray paint that you see done sometimes Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Just interjecting the ink into the leather, I think is a really, really kind of cool look. It's uh, it's got its disadvantages. Well, yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, especially on because it, it's all based on how they treated the leather of the shoe. So it's, a, if it's a soft leather shoe, uh, it'll take the ink a lot better than if it's been processed leather because it has, it's not a shell but it has kind of like a hard outer layer. So as you're tattooing the shoe, um, it breaks through that outer layer and it kind of breaks up the, the consistency and the texture of the shoe a little bit. So depending on the shoe that you're working with, there are, there are disadvantages to it. Um, if, you, if you want to do something viral, you should do laser tattoo removal on the shoes. <laughs> laser tattoo removal on the shoes? I have thought about like finding a way to actually laser a shoe. I think that might be a bit too much, um, but it would it would be fun to try like small designs and things like that. You don't want your shop to look like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm sure it would smell. Uh, it smell like this. Yeah, it smell <laughs> like that. For those of you wondering, at in your car or on the radio or whatever, what have you. Um, we each have kind of a custom background or we did have a custom background uh, on our live stream. And I have one that is like a, a cartoon fire. I, I forget what cartoon it's, it's from. Fine. What, what is it? What the car, what's the cartoon? What is the cartoon? What is it from? Oh, you know? that, what is that from? So it's adult swim. It's a dog. He's it's got that, a hat um, on. Is it adventure time? My, yeah, I think that's right. Is I've it actually adventure never time? watched it, but it's a popular like gif and meme where it's he's the, like it's, it's fine. fine everything's fine yeah everything he like fine. sips his coffee and his like office is on fire and there's smoke i basically converted that into a repeating uh background for like zoom or uh obs or skype and so i'm using it right now so that's what i was referring to 
for those that you at home, just to kind of paint the picture when he was describing lasering shoes, he doesn't want an outcome of a fire just to clarify. Cool. Welcome to the making geeks podcast where we explain our jokes. Yes. <laughs> They're visual jokes for audio podcast. I know it's the best way to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wes, what have you been up to this week? It's better than smell-o-vision, I guess. Depends <laughs> on the smell. <laughs> uh, nothing too much. Uh, just doing some yard stuff out uh, in the garden, cleaning up the garden for the fall. Uh, nothing particularly interesting from a maker standpoint. Just uh, planning on maybe a trip coming up, but I don't really have a lot of detail on that at the moment. But... Um, Something to try to take advantage of the virtual schooling that my kids are doing, and sort of turn the uh, turn the table on 2020 a little bit in terms of you know, giving them some lasting memories that are positive instead of being stuck at home in front of a screen, which is more of a negative than it can be. So trying to take advantage of not having to be tied at home and maybe go visiting some folks and do some adventuring or something in a um, socially distant, you know, conscious way as much as you can. There you go. Well, this week I have been, and I guess in my classic tradition, putting off finishing a project mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. My, 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 <laughs> my, my, my circuit board, um, you know, uh, occupied or busy sign that I have from my office is sitting right next to me and kind of mocking me because it's there and it's done, but I need to design an enclosure for it. Um, I'm kind of just tempted to throw it in a cardboard box and call it done. But I think the video deserves a little bit more than that. So I need to spend some time to design the enclosure and finally get that done. Um, but until I kind of get going doing that, I started doing a project I've been wanting to do for a, a while. Um, with my laser, there's certain signs that I've been wanting to create. Just kind of my walls are kind of bare in my house, even though I've been here for like 10 years. And there's a Disneyland sign that I have my eyes on for a long time. It, it reads, I hear you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow and fantasy. And I think it's, I think it's um, under one of the archways over the one of the archways. When you walk into the magic kingdom at Disneyland, I forget the exact location, but I like that notion. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be to have that out right outside my office door um, as mm-hmm. I'm walking into work every day, just kind of like, you know, Think something positive while I stare at, you know, 40 blank screen, you know, squares on the screen and trying to teach, you know, animation and computer science. Um, so at least I could have my own little fantasy as I walk into my office <laughs> and think the students are, are listening and actually progressing in a subject. Uh, I have most of the sign cut and now I just have to kind of paint and assemble. So it should be done hopefully uh, by this weekend. So that's what I've been up to. It's like your own little slogan. Yeah, there, there's a couple that I, I mantra. <clears throat> there's a couple that I like that I will probably be creating that way, um, but that one I think holds a special weight for me. Maybe because it's part of D- Disneyland too, and you know I have a connection with Disney. I used to work for the company and you know wanted to be an animator with them for years, and I guess just that notion of still looking forward to something maybe a little bit magical is is kind of needed in my my everyday right now. So. I'm hoping just that that little bit of pep might help it just a little bit. So. I like that. Me too. We'll we'll see if it works. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know next week. Yeah, I guess you can <laughs> report back to us. Yeah, uh, the project has to come out first. So, well, Donovan, you had a idea for a topic this week. Why don't you go ahead and take us into it? Um, 
<laughs> the backstory or the inspiration? Um, sure. All they're, of it. They're, they're probably linked somewhat. Yes. Um, so I'm editing um, my Playhouse video, and there, <laughs> there's an interesting difference between the beginning of the video and the end of the video because uh, something that my wife and I have done uh, in the process of putting this Playhouse together over four months is that we became vegan. I don't, I don't want to know. Is that is that the right terminology for it? Was there like a magic spell or I mean, how did that happen? No, it wasn't a magic spell. It was, um, I've, I've been overweight for a long time. Um, I, 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 I don't, don't show I, it. I, I, I think you have it. a different definition of overweight than I, what. Okay. Uh, according to my doctor, I was obese. And so I've always had this, um, I've always had this desire to like, you know, not be, <laughs> overweight and to get in shit i'm not trying to like make myself yeah. out to yeah any whatever um regardless i i have tried a bunch of different diets and fads and all that kind of stuff i've done like keto and paleo and pleto and plato and uh, you know whatever i've i've tried it all just mostly out of curiosity but also to see if it worked nothing has ever worked uh, some have been fun. Some of them have been not so fun. But nothing's ever like stuck. Um, my wife likes to watch a lot of wife's lifestyle bloggy type uh, YouTube channels, and there was one uh, that was called Plantiful Kiki that she really got into. That's uh, plant based. It's it's vegan, but it's not vegan. The easiest way to explain it is vegan uh, because it it basically is. But it's it's a plant based diet, and my my mom is kind of vegan. My dad's a vegetarian because he got bit by a deer tick. And so he's allergic to meat. So growing up, like we never really had meat because my dad was allergic to it. Uh, and my mom has a lot of allergies. And so just dietarily, she, she was kind of vegan. And so I grew up eating pretty healthy. Like I would say I'm, I'm primarily a pretty healthy person, I think. Um, and so we thought we would try out this plant-based slash vegan lifestyle and we did <laughs> and like i said uh from the time that i started building the playhouse uh and and recording it to the time when i finished uh building a playhouse and recording it i am 25 pounds lighter which is interesting to go back and look at all the footage and amidst all of this and doing all this um i've gone back and looked at some of the uh, instagram accounts that I have loved over the years that are kind of food related. And one in particular, if you have not seen his stuff, it is amazing. It's Coder X Baker. Um, and what he does is he he bakes like pastries and cakes and cookies and pies and all that other kind of stuff. But he does like geek theme stuff. So like uh, a lot of video games um, and he'll he'll bake video game inspired pastries and video game inspired cakes and pies and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of like that whole food porn thing because I can't eat it right now. I go and I look at it like, oh, wow, that looks so good. Can't eat it. But man, that looks so good. And him especially because not only does this stuff look delicious, um, but it's geeked theme, which is cool. It's super cool. Uh, his most recent one is doing uh, 
like little tiny pixel cookies and putting them together to make uh, Legend of Zelda fixtures, picture, uh, fixtures, cookies out of yeah. little making a big cookie out of little tiny pixel cookies. Super cool. You have to go see it to understand like what it is that I'm talking about. Coder X Baker. Anyways, but that is a preface, which is <laughs> that's a really long preface. I'm sorry. Um, I thought we could talk about food. Uh, because and all the food you don't eat now to the make food you I want don't it, eat, but no, okay. like just so I'm gonna interrupt for a second because I just had a fantastic idea and I wish I had it earlier because now I'm gonna throw all of you off guard. That is, what food from a video game or geek property would you most want to try? Oh my gosh, what food from a video game hmm. would I most want to try? Yeah, I mean, because you know, video games are essentially fictional, so. You know, I know that some games will show a food or have like a, uh, you know, depending on the world that's been built, um, it video game or geek property. Like, so for instance, um, you know, watching the Harry Potter movies over the years, I always wanted to know what butterbeer tasted like. Well, now you have Harry Potter world at, uh, or the Wizarding World at the Universal Studios, you could taste butterbeer. It's funny. So I, yeah, I was going to say Blue Milk, box. and I had it at... Uh... Galaxy's Edge, uh, right? Galaxy's Edge, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the kids always call it Star Wars Land, and I know it's not that, <laughs> so it like, breaks my brain when I try to think of the real name of it. Right. Yes, yeah, so we tried the, the blue milk and the green milk, and blue milk's pretty good. Is it just so, d- dyed? It's, no, it's like a sweet drink. It's not really, It doesn't really taste like milk at all. It's creamy. It's kind of, uh, it's hard to describe, really. It's really unique, but. I probably was, asked you when you first talked about it, but. Yeah. You don't you don't get it from the tap, do you? Like the original source? No, no, no. <laughs> I can just imagine people walking <laughs> up <laughs> to this weird. The theming is less than appetizing, though. Like when you walk up to it, because there's all these vats that like like pump it between like different vats above you, like little spheres oh. that are like see through. So you see the liquid, and I think it's that's not actually the liquid you're drinking, but it, it's made to look like it, you know. So they're like pumping it through different reservoirs, and it's all cruddy looking and everything. And so, you know, typical Star Wars dirt and grime and you know, thousands of years of neglect sort of thing. Um, yeah, I have to think I have to think on it, though. What other thing besides that? I, I have an idea me? to kind of to kind of pass the time while you guys think. Cause I, I know I'm kind of springing this on you, but when when Donald was talking about the geek theme that that one uh, pastry chef was doing, I, it seemed like a perfect idea, you know, based on the things that we usually talk about. Um in Empire, I think it's Empire Strikes Back when Luke first meets Yoda and he's there and he's trying to fix R2D2. He opens this case that has food in it. And there's like it's it's there's probably like different cookies and stuff, you know, in reality. But I'm watching uh, I remember watching the film for the first time. And he opens this case that has all this different food and then he takes it out and he eats this one thing. And I always wondered, well, what is that and what does it taste like? Because <laughs> it was it was almost like a it's probably like Kit Kat or something reality, but you know, thinking in a, in a fantasy setting, you know, what would that have been? It's probably some sort of survival um, thing that you travel with as a pilot, you know, just because, you know, when you're stranded somewhere, you need to have something to eat. And that's like one of the things that would, would come to mind. Hmm. Hmm. I always wondered if Lambus bread was like as tasteless as it looks. Is that the Elvish bread from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, the Elvish bread from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was my second pick. Because apparently, like, just a nibble of it will fill a grown man. Um, so I'm like, is it, <laughs> is it unappetizing as it looks? 
Or is it like so good that all you can eat is just a little bit? Because then you, you just can't eat. It's like one of those things that is so sweet or so delectable. You can only eat a little bit of it because you don't want to, I don't know, spoil the rest of it. Or if it's just total, just hard cracker, leavened, unleavened bread kind of thing. <laughs> Except that don't the hobbits like eat it all in one sitting uh-huh. and they're still hungry for more? Uh-huh. I mean, they're not a feast, man. After the Hobbit movie, geez, feeding all those dwarves. <laughs> it's no small task. I just looked it up, and uh, there's a tweet from Mark Hamill regarding what you just referenced uh, about oh, his really? uh, survival kit. Yeah. Oh, Someone wow. asked him what, what it was, and he said, I remember mixed nuts, mint and orange Tic Tacs, sesame sticks, crackers, basically airline food. And he <laughs> says, Dagobah delicacy, hashtag... <laughs> Swamp Planet Snacks, hashtag Yoda Worst. Swamp Planet Snacks. <laughs> you know what? I should recreate that case and then send you it totally to Bob. Should. Yeah. And send it to Bob when he finishes R2-D2. And <laughs> say he has to eat out of it when he, when he does that final video. Hmm. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild is a cooking oh. simulator. Yeah. But I don't know if there's anything that I would want to eat. From yeah, there's, there's the channels that do like the recreation like real life recreation of cooking from that that game yeah they like have the sound effects and everything yeah but he's like throwing he, like he's like ha and he's like throwing food like literally in the pan it's like super messy he's like destroying his kitchen when he's recording it. it's pretty hysterical i think it was like uh college humor or some other internet youtube um comedy channel but it was pretty good uh yeah, it is basically a cooking simulator, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always like like the old arcade style fighting games where you like punch a trash can and a fully cooked turkey pops out and you eat it and you like res- it restores all your health. So the healing properties of trash can chicken must be amazing. <laughs> In like Final Fight, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to try that just <laughs> just like See what it's like to get all your hearts back or something. Or the chicken that are hanging back in the background of Chun-Li stage, the duck in the, I guess, Peking duck and other things like behind her. It's like, you know, one of the Asian markets that looks super disgusting. And like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't want to eat that. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's a great, um, that's hilarious. My kids and I watched this recently, so it's easy to reference. But Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs doesn't exactly have food that we don't already eat but it's so delectable looking as opposed to like reality and so to have something that looks as good as that and tastes as good as they make it look i think would be awesome yeah, i think the, i think the other appeal of that one is just having it drop from the sky and not having to cook it and just be yeah. able to, and be able to gorge on everything yeah until it becomes sentient then you're just have issues with eating food yeah, ever again. Yeah but, yeah, but then it becomes hunting. True. <laughs> but when it talks to you, then it just gets weird. Well, that might relate to uh, what uh, Mickers Portal wrote. He said a grilled portobello mushroom steak from Super Mario Brothers. So maybe too many mushrooms. Hmm. There's, I don't think there's, man, video game related. Or other geek properties. It doesn't have to be just video yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, Well, I'm trying to, like... Movies are kind of easy to reference. Video games, though, I don't know how many. A nice so, cup of lawn lawn milk or something. Yeah, I don't know. 
I've been playing a lot of Fallout, so that's where my mind goes. But uh, all that food is based on real-world food, but real-world ro- food after nuclear fallout, so you're dealing with a lot of uh, canned goods and, and radioactive type of uh, fruits and vegetables. So nothing really sounds that appetizing from that property. No. You know, this is a side note, but in the movie um, Resident Evil, they're like going through an abandoned truck and there's a bunch of canned food with no labels on it. And the guy can shake it and tell what's in the can as he's handing it out to people. It's like, oh, this is <laughs> peas. Oh, this is whatever. And I never understood. It's like, could you actually do that? And last night we were, we were cooking did we were cooking dinner and I my daughter wanted some green beans. And so I grab grab a can of green beans and I it, that scene from that movie popped in my head and I shake it and I'm like, yeah, green beans squeak. Like nothing else squeaks like green beans squeak when you shake the can. I'm like, okay, it's plausible. That movie is now plausible. That's interesting. <laughs> this total side note. Um, nothing else from that movie you would want to eat, though. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, movies seem like a good source because a lot of movies reference food but aren't about food. Oh, right. um, what's the the nymphs the nymphs dewdrops or whatever from Spiderwet Chronicles. The did you guys ever read that? Or watch the movies? Don't remember. It's like nymphs it's not nymphs teardrops or something, but it's like a fruit that the fairies eat that apparently is ambrosia. That's what it's called. Not nymphs. <laughs> uh ambrosia. Any kind of ambrosia or reference to ambrosia and in any property always ref always talks about it being like the, the best, best thing ever best thing ever well yeah i mean so I guess, Am- ambrosia in greek mythology is now yeah. like the, the food of the gods yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um but in spiderwork chronicles it's a fruit ambrosia is a fruit ambrosia changes depending on like who's referencing it but in spiderwork chronicles it's a fruit which looks pretty delectable Okay, so you gave me an idea. Do you remember the food fight scene scene in um, Hook? Oh yeah, there that were, pillowy stuff. What were? What is that? I don't know, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm like, I want to try a bite. I, I don't know what it is, but I want to try it because it looks like whipped cream <laughs> or, <laughs> or mashed potatoes cream, or shaving cream or something. Cream yeah, I thought that little muffin thing that Ray created was looked pretty good in the. Uh, Force Awakens, I think it was. Oh, the the packet that she cooks? Yeah. Yeah. That she hydrates? Yeah. Yeah, it did look really interesting. Fun story. That was all practical. I know. It was. The hell was it? It's it's a super muffin that they engineered just for that from the underside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Made it look that much more delectable. And all the food uh, in Jurassic Park, like when, when the kids finally get back to the uh oh yeah the headquarters or whatever and there's like gorging yeah like all that stuff look good (laughs) we're missing the obvious one what willy wonka yeah but y'all there's there's penalties for eating that crap (laughs) 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 the whole point is to not eat his crap or else you're gonna die (laughs) we never talked about the downsides okay yeah that, that movie is, like a horror, is a children's horror film. Let's just be honest. <laughs> you know, growing, growing up, I, I was wonder, I wanted like, oh, I wish there was a Wonka bar. 
yeah. and then a, a company produced a Wonka bar. Yep. And I was I was sadly disappointed. Yep. But you're hoping it was gold though. Yeah. Any fruit from Avatar would be interesting. Hmm. Domo saw Artisan posted a the Jetsons food machine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jetsons. I was also thinking about didn't they also have like a food capsules you'd eat? Because like, you know, I really like, oh, that's gonna be the future of food. It's just you know, just thing, or they just like pot, put it in their mouth like mmm. No, it's like a it's like a pill that used to was like oh, an yeah. entire meal, I think. Yeah. Was that in Jetsons or was that in I thought it was Jetsons? Was that I, could, I could be wrong, but fifth lot. element. The oh, pills the were in the stuff? fifth element too. No, it came from a cartoon first, because I don't remember much of the fifth element. There's a film where they had like a tiny pizza on a giant plate, and they like put it on there and expanded it. And what was that? Ninja Turtles? Or was it Fifth Element? I don't know. I well, don't ba- Back to the Future Two did that too. They back to the Future Two. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. The rehydrator. Yeah, yeah. Re. Yeah. Now That's the a, thing is that I. Oh wanna, my gosh! I forgot about that. Scene. I want to try the pizza before it gets rehydrated. I'm yeah. just curious. Is, is it like, like so a, concentrated? Yeah, is it a cookie or a cracker? Is it just like nothing Does but oil like and Does it like expand in your mouth from the moisture in your mouth? Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like those dehydrated marshmallows like you find in uh, like uh, hot chocolate charms packets? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And how if you put them in the, in the hot chocolate, they, you know, they expand and fill up before they dissolve and turn into nothing. Yeah, if if you scarf one of those pizzas, like before, it had a chance to expand and expand it in your stomach, would it like kill a person? Oh, like you just ate like a box of them, like Tic Tacs. Like, see, these are the important questions. I mean, forget Pop Rocks being dangerous. Dry pizza, huh? It's the new uh, the new Tide Pod challenge. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Candy. That's what I often wondered candy? about, like the Hulk too. Like if. The Hulk eats something and then he shrinks. Is the food still the same size, like Hulk size inside Banner's stomach? You can't overthink it. You know, if he eats yeah, like, but it's fun. Yeah, that's oh, that's the point. That's that's where no one else wants to talk about it. I want to talk about that. If the Hulk eats a, basically a giant lamb after a vic- victorious battle with Thor, and then he shrinks back into Banner, like the food doesn't shrink, right? It would like blow his like insides out, or is it like? <laughs> I don't maybe, know. I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe it has a fail-safe system where it finds the quickest exit. Yeah. <laughs> right when the bottom is drinking. Right, he just changes pants every that's time. That's what he looks <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're extra shredded. <laughs> <laughs> he should start wearing brown pants, not purple. <laughs> Stanley had it wrong. Yep. <laughs> we must know. We need to write the write the Marvel experts and ask them about this. Yeah. Where's a uh, Where's Matt Pat doing film theory on that one? <laughs> yeah, food theory. <laughs> There's another one I was thinking about too, and I just, I just forgot what it was. Is there a food that you would want to try? I mean, we covered a little bit of that already. Anything from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? I'd pass. Pass. <laughs> I remember a story from the the soup scene. Yeah. Whereas when the eyeballs put up, they had to have them stuck to the bottom of the, the plate or something. And I, got, I think the actors had a hard time kind of getting it to unstick and float up. <laughs> I, I think the monkey brains were jello or some sort of gelatin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you guys ever done that sort of stuff with your kids? Like the Halloween food, you know, that's like they get blindfolded or they can't see where their hand's at. And have to, you know, it feels like brains or like the, the peeled grapes or like eyeballs in a bowl, you know, that sort of thing. It's I like would classic prob- kid stuff. 
Yeah, I'd probably psychologically damage my kids. Like more, than, more, more than I already have. You refrigerated like was it uh, spaghetti noodles in like a big clump and say it's brains and they can't see what they're holding, you know? So it feels all ridged. My uh, kids are so picky that just if I them. did that, they would just stop <laughs> eating altogether. Like noodles is one of the very few things that they will eat. So if I'm like blindfold them here, what is this? It's noodles. No, it's brains. Like they may never eat noodles again, and then they just wither away. <laughs> I also think my two my kids are too young for that. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would the appropriate age be to try and int- introduce them to fake brains? I don't know. It's <laughs> a good question. It depends on the parent. I mean, this is the season to do it. Halloween. All right. Exactly. You're just building character. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Oh, hey, speaking of building character, I figured out what I'm going to what I'm going to be for Halloween because we're doing Mandalorian theme and my kids call me Baba because that's Chinese for for dad. So I'm going to be Boba Fett. So I'm going to make a dad version of Boba Fett. That's what I'm going to be. If I had a way to like put dad jokes over the screen right now, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to find I, I'm just. I just thought of this like <laughs> as I was coming in from jumping on the trampoline with my kids uh, before doing this. I'm like, why didn't I think of this before? Boba Fett. It's perfect. It, it, it'll. it Yeah, it'll be great and cheesy, I'm sure. But I need to I'm trying to find uh, I'm trying to think of ways to like make it cool, but cheesy. So if you if you have any thoughts on the subject, I would uh, I'd be happy to to listen. It was that our signal for geeking out now, or or what? <laughs> Are we at that point already? <laughs> you you kind of helped us turn that corner. I'm sorry. Um. Well, it just related, I guess, to to emphasize it one more time. If you guys haven't checked out Coder, like a like a programmer, Coder X Baker, all one word, on Instagram, uh, his stuff is amazing. If you haven't seen it before, go go look at it. Go follow him, um, and you will you you will thank me. It's too good to not enjoy everything that he puts out. Seriously, all of his stuff is fantastic. Even if he doesn't put out a lot, the stuff that he does is just so so good and so good looking too. Wes, do you have like a you know somebody online that kind of follows for like food and baking goes? Yeah, I have a couple different ones. Uh, Kenji Lopez Alt is there popular internet um food celebrity i guess he's on like serious eats and a lot of other uh food blogs he writes a lot of stuff he has a he's been doing since pandemic started he uh he's been doing a series of stuff on his youtube channel where he basically straps a gopro to his forehead he's in his kitchen and he just like makes stuff like whatever he whatever that comes to mind you know they're not categorized or anything and he has a couple other cameras set up it's just him like it's there's like very little editing um, unless there's like time for something to rise or whatever, but it's, it kind of, it's interesting to see that sort of side. Cause he owns like restaurants and things. And he's pretty well regarded. He has like a giant book that I just got, um, called the food lab, which is like a scientific, like analytical approach to cooking. And he does like tons of experiments and stuff. Like how do you make the best fried chicken? What makes it crispy? Like what ingredients, why, why are the ratios the way that they are? Let's like figure out like he he like debunks a lot of myths and other things to sort of 
scientifically explain things. He I think he said he did like over 150 or something batches of fried chicken to determine like what the perfect ratio is and all these different things. Just for is example, he do, is he the one that did the perfect way to cook a hamburger where he like smash it, smash free, burgers? Yeah, smashed it and then like froze it and then fried it and then cooked it or s- some kind of weird not, thing. Not sure about that, but he does. He he does have a video or an article on Cirrus Eats called with dealing with smash burgers. And since I learned how to make those, I have not cooked hamburgers on a grill since. Um, they're that good. It's basically, okay. they taste like, like there's always been this like dividing thing f- for me, like hamburgers at home, like my, like my parents used to make or my grandmother used to make. They used to be ba- basically like a giant meatloaf on a bun. Like they were like way too thick. And like you compare that to like something you get at a, a restaurant you know, like at a, like a $10 burger or something like at a sports bar or whatever, those are completely different. They're almost on different planes. I don't know. And the smash burger, like it's a lot thinner. It tastes more like a, like a restaurant style burger and you make it at home. It, you have to have good ventilation. It smokes up the joint if you don't, oh, but they're fantastic. Um, but I follow him. And then Adam Ragusia is another YouTube channel. he Kind of, he's sort of like the Steve Ramsey in a way of of like YouTube channels for cooking, where he kind of takes a uh, approach where you don't have to have like a lot of fancy stuff, you know, like having like stand mixers and all these like sous vide setups. He just kind of does more of a uh, guy at home kind of approach to it, more kind of honest, and he has some scientific kind of. Um, videos as well. He like interspace or he like breaks up like cooking, like recipe videos. And, and then every other one, he has like a scientific kind of related video. He actually interviews people on camera and stuff from different universities and things to talk about like food safety things and other myths. It's really interesting. They're really related. Those two uh, people I just referenced. Um, yeah, those are the two ones that I've been kind of binging lately, but there's a couple other ones here and there. Like binging with Babish is, is good. Um, He's pretty popular. He does a lot of stuff from different um, pop culture things, which is fine. Um, but he he does a lot of large quantity stuff, like for, he, for like yeah. big groups of people. It is cool seeing the process. Oh yeah, definitely. He's he's fun to watch. Um, but as far as like something, I'll probably be more likely to replicate for at home than if I'll either use uh, Kenji Lopez Alt or Adam Ragusia um, are my two ones then there's a couple like chef john has a um youtube channel it's pretty probably the one of the most popular uh youtube cooks i guess um but i've got like a ton, ton of recipes from a lot of those people and uh serious eats is a good blog if you have never heard of it look look it up they have a lot of good recipes if you do the cooking um which i do in my household um because i've been getting more into like making stuff from scratch to like really appreciate the, the dish and kind of get, I don't know, just kind of feel like, like I earned it. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, like the time I've, I've taken some of my shop time and done more kitcheny stuff in the last year, um, to sort of still feed that maker desire, but in a different way, um, which is not really that far you know, removed in, making a thing right it's just an edible thing in this point but uh, i've been doing some stuff like chicken marsala and other 
dishes from scratch and they're pretty good. And I think I'm helping with the kids get a little more diverse palate than some other kids in their age ranges. I think that's really good. Samantha loves Philly cheesesteaks, like with mushrooms, Mm -hmm. onions, peppers, everything. And yeah, it's kind of, she's loved that for ages. And I think that's pretty good for her age, being that um, open to trying new stuff. I don't follow much cooking stuff, uh, mainly because I don't really get a chance to get in the kitchen that often. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my wife does a majority of the cooking, although I cook, I usually cook every week or, you know, lunch or some things uh, here and there, but like I said, I, I don't get in the kitchen much. Um, uh, my, my wife's been doing more experimentation and, and my, my kids and starting to cook more. So my daughter will make pancakes. And as far as like uh, YouTube stuff, we don't watch much YouTube. My daughter's obsessed with all the cooking shows like uh, nailed it, sugar rush, um, most, most of the ones that are on Netflix. So that's been kind of our exposure. Unfortunately, um, I'd like to kind of turn that corner a little bit. Unfortunately. And, well, it's just that the, those cooking shows while they're entertaining and I think that they inspire people to cook, I don't think they really do a good job in showing how to cook or cook well, especially when so many of them are, are put into like a competition format. Sure. And I, I just, you know, it, it's almost like watching a making video on, on fast forward that a lot of us do. It's not really a, a very good instructional type of thing. If you want to learn how for inspiration, motivation is great. Um, you know, I would like to get in the kitchen more. Just it doesn't typically happen. I don't have as much contribute as much to contribute on that one. Well, since since we are talking about food specifically, and since Halloween is coming up, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Christine McConnell. Um, she is a YouTuber that got a Netflix show of her own, um, and she partnered with the Jim Henson Company and had a cast of. Um, puppet characters in her Netflix show. Uh, it's only run for one season, I guess, but it's called the curious creations of Christine McConnell. Uh, and it, it, the things that she makes are fantastic. Like she makes a haunted mansion, gingerbread house, and just a lot, a lot of delicacies like Kate cooks, cooks, cakes, cookies, um, pastries and things like that, but just ha- that have a Halloween-inspired flair to them, and it's just amazing. Is she the one that just bought a mansion recently or got into a yeah. mansion? Okay, yep. I-, I could definitely picture kind of like a Halloween-type feel with with Muppets mm-hmm. with, with that look. Yeah, interesting. I don't have Netflix, but if I ever get Netflix, that's going to be one of the first shows that I watch. I've seen snippets and behind the scenes and. Um, they did like a little mini documentary when the show was canceled, uh, that talks to all of the, the puppeteers and how they put everything together and the set design and stuff It's behind the scenes stuff. I really get into that stuff cause I love filmmaking and whatnot. Um, but it was really cool. Um, it, I'm sure I would enjoy that show once I get to watch it. What are you guys been geeking out about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm geeking out about something that's. I don't know if it's entirely geek related, but it's something I've been excited about. Um, I bought a piece of software that I've been waiting to buy for quite a while. Um, coming up on almost doing 200 of these shows, I've been doing. I've done a lot of audio editing over that time, um, and it's been an interesting process learning. But I found a piece of software that cuts down on a lot of that work uh, from a company called AccuSonos. And they have plugins for for audio software, um, including Audacity, which is the software software that we use to edit this show. And it's a simple 
button or one dial adjustment for things like auto leveling voice, uh, noise and noise reduction. And it has cut down my, my editing time significantly. So I'm trying to get uh, rid of noise in an audio recording, especially for an hour long show could take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, uh, at least after listening for an hour, this is about 20 seconds as a difference. And it's huge. They had a huge sale and I pulled the trigger and got the software and I'm, I'm geeking out about it because not only about the show, but also trying to get better audio out of my YouTube videos that I produce uh, because audio means a lot to people when they're listening to something, sometimes even more than visuals. Um, so that is definitely something I'm excited about. So that's mine. What about you, Wes? <laughs> uh, let's see. I've been watching some comedy channels on YouTube lately. Because uh, I think last week I mentioned the Star Trek cartoon that I've been watching, right? So I don't want to hit mm-hmm. that one again. Lower Decks. Yeah, Lower Decks, which has been fantastic. I'll just make another quick plug for that. You know the little badges that everybody wears in Star Trek? The com badges? There was an episode where that was a character, and he was like basically like Clippy from Microsoft. <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> and it was Jack McBrayer did the voice for it from 30 Rock. Um it's yeah, definitely go rec- recommend go checking it out. It's, it was great. Uh, the other channel that I've been watching a lot of, he's pretty popular. Um, his, his videos have got tons of views, but I had never heard of him before. Uh, called Ryan George. You guys heard of him? He does a lot of pop culture related stuff. He has a lot of series that he does videos where like the first guy to ever blank, and then it's like him re- recording different sides of him like talking to himself. Like he has different characters. So he has one like the first guy to ever be an artist. And so he's like, hey, he holds up a picture of an apple. And the guy's like, yeah, what, what is that? He's like, oh, it's a picture of an apple. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? And oh, it's just, they is go this back to the same forth, guy really that quick. does the. Um, he does Screen Rant stuff. Screen Rant. Yeah. yeah. Not Honest Trailers, but uh, what is this series called? Is it that? Is it that same guy? Yeah, it's the same guy. OK, so I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Um I'll have to link a couple in the description or yeah, I've been watching too many of his stuff. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's called Ryan George. Cool. For a good laugh. And they're and usually pretty clean. And his other one, it's not screen rant. Cause that's, what is it called? This is going to bug me now. His series where he talks to himself as like an executive for a movie company. Yeah. yeah unexpected pitch meeting. Pitch meeting. That's pitch meeting, not yeah. Siri. Yeah. They're pretty funny on screen. Pitch rant. meeting. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah, those are funny. There, I like pitch meeting was my answer to hating cinema sins mm-hmm. because they kind of tear apart the logic nature of some things that happen in movies, but yeah. in a way that's humorous, right? Rather than nitpicking and tallying <laughs> a score, yeah, yeah. Um, I discovered a new channel um, that she's geek related, kind of geek related. Uh, she does like uh, polymer clay sculpture and a lot of stuff with resin. Uh, she's called Zan Von Zed. Have you guys heard of her? No. Really, really cool stuff. Um, it has, it definitely has a darker tone to it. Um, so it's not bright and cheery. It's more hot topic. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. 
Uh, but she does she does a lot of uh, miniatures and dioramas and stuff with like clay and resin and whatnot, and it is very cool. Her most recent one was doing a um, Super Mario Brothers: The Lost World diorama, where she, um, it, yeah, it's kind of a, a dark take on the Super Mario World. Very cool. I really like her stuff. I just subscribed today. Uh, it's called Zan Von Zed. Uh, and it's cool going and seeing what she does. So that's what I've been geeking out about. Very cool. Well, I think it's that time. We'd love to hear from all of you. Um, go ahead and check out our website. It is still a work in progress, but you should be able to see some improvements, especially in terms of the performance of the site. Um, but you'll still be able to find all of our past episodes there, along with all the guests we've had in the past, right there on makinggeeks.com. And aside from the website, uh, you can contact us individually if you want to. Because uh, we're all involved on social media. So come see what we're working on. Come hang out with us in our DMs and talk about whatever we talk about on the show. If you have any questions, anything like that, you can hit Sean up at Geek Builders. You can hit Wes up over at Geek Smithing. And you can find me at Once Upon a Workbench. And we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash making geeks for their contributions to our show every week. They, uh, they definitely help us out a lot. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. Absolutely. Including our top patrons, Square Splinter, Jordan Rumpel, and Clinton. Thank you so much for your support. Well, we'd like to thank everybody for hanging out in the live chat with us. It's always fun talking and seeing all the recommendations based on the topic that we're having for during that, or during that show. And if you'd like to participate in that live chat, we record every Thursday night at roughly about 6.30 Pacific time. Um, you could do the math for the other two time zones because I don't pay attention to those. And <laughs> new episodes of the show come out every Saturday morning. So from all of us to all of you, have a fantastic week. See you later, everybody. <laughs> we'll get the timing of that down sometime. That's no moon.